Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have a very special show for you today. Uh, We are here with Steve Kramer of Spirit Fire Retreat Center, and he came all the way down from Leyden, Massachusetts. Uh, That's how you pronounce that. It's pronounced Leiden. Leiden. Okay. I had never even heard of this town before until I looked at the map. And you guys are, are way up north, like right under the Green Mountains, right? Yeah, we're just, just below the border of Vermont. So in the foothills of the Green Mountains. Fabulous. And that must be really pretty beautiful a place to have a re- meditation retreat center up there. It's beautiful, quite peaceful and silent and very nice. But it's nice to be in the city too. I got to go to a flower shop and buy some flowers. Yay. <laughs> oh, lovely. That's that is really really nice to have that access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabulous. Uh so tell us a little bit about Spirit Fire Retreat Center. I would love to. Well, first of all, Carolyn, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to have the opportunity to be here and to sit across from you. It's lovely. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, the oh. retreat center, Spirit Fire Retreat Center, is actually an asset of Spirit Fire. So we're an educational nonprofit. And so I steward the land up there. We're on 95 acres, again, right under the border of Vermont. So really beautiful little town, quiet. You would have no reason to go through Leiden unless you were you live there or you might be coming to uh, one of a couple retreat centers actually in Leiden. So we're a meditation center primarily. Uh, as a nonprofit, we are focused on educating people on the importance of consciousness and awareness and really educating them on the importance of spirituality and ways to make that practical, ways to bring that into their everyday life. So we do that through primarily our own meditation practice, which is called the Practice of Living Awareness, and it's an online program. So the Meditation Center really supports that. So we do lots of meditation retreats to support our practice, and then Yoga retreats, Reiki retreats, uh, we're right up the same alley. So Fabulous. Yeah, lots of good stuff. When you say that you steward the land up in Leiden, what what does that mean? How do you how do you understand that? Well, the land is really an important aspect. I mean, nature is really just uh, it's an asset. You know, uh, we're on a really amazing piece of land that's actually quartz. So as you're walking on the trails, you'll see these pieces of quartz that are just shooting up through the the ground. Uh, So the energy is really, really pristine and trails throughout. And it's really an important part of people's meditation practice or their time. Just being mindful is time in nature really connects you, you know, to yourself. When when you see these like shoots of quartz popping up from the ground, are they big boulders or are they... Yeah. terminated points how yeah. i mean is it just it's just under the land yeah it's under the land it's uh primarily quartz is 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 the land that it, it sits on it's really hilly and uh every now and again you'll be walking and there's just a beautiful white rock of quartz that's sticking through and everybody everybody all the guests say what is that and pretty amazing all quartz you can really feel it people who are sensitive to energy walk the land and say wow this is a pretty special place yeah, yeah. quartz really does a lot of 
you know, strong amplification and yeah, yeah whatever kind of practices you're doing, there's just like supercharges them. Yeah, good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So tell us, um, so when, when you're doing the kind of communing in the land and you're doing these meditation and the retreat centers, do you guys, um, are, you, are you connecting with the spirit of the land in any way? Spirit fire, right? We love that spirit word. Spirit <laughs> fire, right. Yeah, what is spirit fire? Uh, you know, it, it really is talking about the transformative and the transmutational, what a good word, you know, power of fire and really that, uh, that spark of awareness that we all sense as we sort of find our way into that field. There's a spark uh, that ignites in you, I think, that, that connects you. And so spirit fire is just that spark that connects us to our higher selves. Uh, the land... There, the I'm not the founder of Spirit Fire. I'm, I am the president of the board now, and I am the second in line. Uh, the original founder, she retired. Her name is Donna Mitchell Moniak. She retired uh, probably three or four years ago, and she found the land. She was from the eastern Massachusetts and looked all over for a retreat center, and she happened upon that piece of property and felt a connection to it and. So it was pretty special spot. So 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 Donna really felt the connection to yeah. the the spirit of the land. Yeah, and I was an ex New Yorker. I was in New York, and I used to come up here to meditate all the time. So I was practicing a meditation with Spirit Fire for a long time before moving up from the city to a tiny little mountaintop at the top of the state. What what made you make that jump from New York all the way up to to Leiden? Le- Leiden. Leiden. Yeah. yeah, it takes a while. <laughs> yeah, it takes. Because I, I can see the spelling. It's L E Y D E N. It took so. me a year. I called it Leiden <laughs> for a year. So you're in good company. Okay. <laughs> You know, I was in New York my whole life, 25 years, and I actually started studying energy medicine myself after uh, a snowboarding accident, saw me in at, at the hands of an energy practitioner, and I had never felt anything like it, and it was amazing. And that sort of opened the door to this idea of mind-body connection and energy and seeing us as energy beings, and it really started this uh, study of, of who am I as an energy body? Uh, as I saw myself sort of evolve energetically by somebody just simply doing what's similar to Reiki, but hands off, and decided to practice that myself. And I needed to develop a meditation practice uh, as a part of that training. And New York City was just bonkers. And trying to find a meditation practice in New York, I tried Zen meditation, which is, you know, one of the strictest practices of meditation. It's like crack the ruler if you're not being perfectly still and silent and just tried so many different practices and none of them were really working for me. I couldn't find a way to align and found an online practice that was Spirit Fires and Donna and it worked. It was a really wonderful practice, very step-by-step on tools. I found that they were these tools that I could use not only to generate a practice and um, form one even, but to apply to my day-to-day life, which was really appealing to me. And then I used to come up for meditation retreats. And after a while, the energy of New York just got to be too much. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And my system just got too sensitive for it. So it was 
nice shift. Absolutely. Big shift, but nice shift. I used to live down in New York as well and for about four years, and I was just always tired. And mm. I, looking back, I was like, oh, you know, energetically, I just felt drained all the time. I was very energetically sensitive, but I don't think I quite at that time in my life knew it. But I was, yeah, it's it's not an easy city if you're if you're a sensitive person. Yeah, but isn't that the thing? I mean, I think we all get to a point where, We've actually always all been, we're all sensitive beings, right? Of course. But we cover it up, you know, and after a while, as you start to do some work on yourself or something opens that door and you move through it, you start to realize, wow, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually receiving all of this tension and all of this really buzzy energy of New York. It took me a year, a little over a year until my nervous system really just went quiet. Yeah, you have to hug a lot of trees. Yeah, all of a sudden one day I went, "Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm still." You know, so it's a it's a process. <laughs> That's <laughs> to undo really cool. that you know, that buzz, that that high vibration of yeah. city life. Well, it's like your body mu- remembers it yeah. and then your mind has those neural pathways and there's just so many layers to what's, you know, to how long that we endure. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be really intense. Yeah. That's really cool. So, so what is, I know that you talked about how you found a bunch of different meditation techniques that you weren't into. What is the meditation te- uh, techniques that you guys practice um, up at Spirit Fire Retreat Center? Well, it's a bit of a combination of a mindfulness practice and a Vipassana practice. So mindfulness for me anyway, and these are my words, to me, mindfulness is really about just establishing an alignment with your body, your emotions, and your mind. Really learning to get comfortable in your body, to notice when your body isn't comfortable, because if your body's in pain or it's aching or it's not feeling good, it's really hard actually to create space in your mind. And learning to calm the emotions and learning to create some space in the mind, not necessarily stop your thoughts, which is what I thought meditation was about when I first tried it, like stop my Just mind turn from this thing thinking, off. Yeah. Ain't going to happen ever. <laughs> and so for me, uh, I would say that mindfulness is really that establishing the capacity to align your physical body, your emotional body, and your mental body. And once you've got that going, it's like you're sort of cooking with gas. And then you get to experience, I would say, the upper levels or the higher vibrations of the mind. And that's where intuition, creativity, inspiration comes from. And that would be Vipassana, which is clear seeing. So to have insight, it's an insight meditation practice. So ours sets you up with that mindfulness, training in mindfulness, and then moves on to, I would say a more spiritual practice, which is an insight practice. So so that's the insight practice. Tell me a little bit about the, the Vipassana and uh, because you guys have weekend retreats, week-long retreats yep. that focus on these different techniques. Yes, so indeed. So can you tell us a little bit about um, when somebody signs up for a Vipassana you know, workshop, what, what does that look like? Well, the way we do it is we start you off at the beginning. So we've got basically four retreats throughout the year that support that practice. We do, at the, in January, we do an intentions retreat, which is really setting the intention for the new year. And then we'll do a foundations retreat, which talks about our entire practice, which is all online. So anybody can access it for free at any time. You guys have a ton of stuff yeah. on your website. <laughs> we I do. was looking through it and I was like, oh my gosh, like it's just everything, all the lectures, all the workshops, just everything is yeah. available. Yeah, there's a lot. So 
Then we work on the Vipassana, or rather the mindfulness aspect. Over the summer, we have a number of silent retreats, which are really about uh, just generating awareness through the senses, about appreciating, using the senses to generate appreciation and gratitude and really just enjoying the experience of the here and now. And it's so easy to do that when you've got just nature and amazing food, amazing flowers, amazing scents, amazing sights. You've got the sun on your face. It's not so difficult yeah. to be a mindfulness teacher, you and know, in the middle of the Sometimes when you're way up there, you don't even get cell phone service or, you know, yeah, internet. Yeah. So it's sometimes really, it's, it's just a natural unplugging. Right. Or plugging in, depending yeah. on how you see it. Exactly. And then we do a deepening retreat at the end of the year, which is really an insight practice, which is longer meditation retreats, more teachings, a little bit more philosophy, and longer sittings with more talking about the sitting. So it works that way. So it's it's more designed as a course that you take the intentions, and then you take the quietude, the two quietudes, and then you kind of finish up with the with a vipassana. Yeah, I mean, if any, if somebody already has a meditation practice, they could certainly take any retreat, you know, that, that we have available, but to do the whole series is really quite special. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what type of people do you, do you draw to Spirit Fire Retreat Center? Uh, people from every walk of life. I mean, that's the thing. We all have minds, right? <laughs> and we all think probably way too many thoughts. So we get people from all over. It's really lovely. Uh, we, I, we just said goodbye to a group of 10th graders oh, that were coming fun. down from New Hampshire and they all took a meditation program as an elective in high school. Whoa. Can you imagine 10th grade? They have so many more tools and resources to deal with the anxiety and all this stuff. It's amazing. Unbelievable. And you know, I sat with them for the first evening to say like, first of all, congratulations. Basically, you know, you're in 10th grade and you chose to come as an elective to a meditation center. So what, you know, what led to that? And they all said just that, you know, my life is so hectic. I never seem to have downtime. I'm really anxious all the time. And your heart just breaks these beautiful young kids and they really, really are stressed. So, you know, we talked about social media. We talked a lot about the brain, like how does the brain work and the default mode network and the orbitofrontal cortex, which is just fun to talk about what happens when your mind is wandering and ways in which you can focus and and really take control of the thoughts that you feel are bombarding you all the time. They were there for two days and a lot of them slept better than they've ever slept in their life. They had really wonderful things to say. So that's just one example. But people from all over, we do the MBSR, which is Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. I don't know if you've heard that. I it's have, a, yeah. We had a, a local um, MBSR uh, instructor here on the show, uh, uh, Ruth, Ruth Folkman. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah so a, we learned a little bit about it. What a great program. So we host a lot of those trainings. And, you know, those are really special trainings. I mean, people are coming with... PTSD, with chronic pain, with really some serious symptoms that are getting in the way of them just experiencing and enjoying the experience of their day-to-day. -day. And then teachers who are, or, or students who are learning to be teachers, teachers in training that are going to take that to jails to teach meditation to, to uh, inmates that are taking that to high schools and, and elementary schools and hospitals. So those people fly in from all over the world, like literally from all over the world to train uh, in MBSR. So that's really exciting. Uh, so yeah, international, local, everybody. Very cool. But I do want to circle back to a subject that you briefly touched on, which is sort of what happens to the brain mm. when we're stressed out and fried. And you mentioned the pre 
prefrontal cortex and <laughs> something else that I hadn't heard of before. So I would, I would love to, what, what happens to the brain when we are stressed out? Hmm. Can we talk about some of the kind of like chemistry, the sure. biochemistry? What, I would love to. What is going on inside there? Well, I find what's interesting is that when we're stressed out, or even what we think of depression or we think of anxiety and we think of it as somebody whose brain actually isn't working. But what's happening is their brain is actually working overtime. And usually when we've got anxiety or we've got depression, what's happening is we've got this tape loop of thoughts that are repeating. Tape loop of anxiety about what's going to happen tomorrow, all that I need to get done, all that I've signed on to do. I don't know if I have enough time or this interview I've got going or I want to switch my job or I'm just not happy here or there. You know, we're thinking about the future or we're a bit, you know, thinking about what we did last week or what we've not done or we're ruminating about the past. We think something like 65,000 thoughts a day and it, the upper of like 90% of those are the same thoughts we're thinking again and again and again. So we really have got this tape loop going on of thoughts in our mind. And what happens is when our mind starts to wander, when we're not doing anything that's kind of forcing us to focus on one particular thing, what's called the default mode network of the brain. It's this very specific area of the brain that uh, researchers happened upon because they were studying brains, scans of brains. When, people, when you're just sitting in a brain scanner, you're not really doing anything. Your mind is just wandering. And this default mode network would, would always light up. And what they're finding is when we're not doing anything in particular, when our mind is just sort of going from here to there, which guess when that happens? Social media. Right. Oh, I, I was thinking like when you're in school and looking out the window or something. Yeah, not paying attention. Right. Both, but it's sort yeah. of like looking uh, at a window on your phone too, right? Sure. But whenever our brain is wandering, this default mode network really takes over and it's almost like it hijacks your brain. It actually takes energy away from all of the other areas of the brain that would process data or make new connections that would come up with new thoughts or new ways to approach an idea. So really what's happening is it's reinforcing that thought machine that's just coming up and coming up and coming up. So it's like this loop. And you've got to break that. You know, you've got to find a way to get control, really, of your brain again, or those thoughts will just keep generating. It's what happens a lot of times when people meditate. They sit down. They want to get to know their mind. And as soon as they sit down, what they realize is there are so many thoughts that they'd rather not be privy to or rather not experience in rapid fire. And they go, forget it. I'm out of here. But what you learn is that when you start to focus on one thing in particular, that default mode network actually lets go. It, lo it loosens its grip on your brain. And actually then we start to get to use the fullness, the full capacity of our brain. So it's really something as simple as just focusing. And so if you're juggling <laughs> or if you're doing something that really, you've got a really sharp knife and you're chopping onions, the default mode network has no, has really, you know, it, it really isn't working over time. And what's interesting about the default mode network is that it generates thoughts about ourselves, like me, myself, and I, the relationship to me and my relationship to somebody else or what I was doing or what I have to do. And so it really becomes really only about ourselves. And 
it can produce a megalomaniac. It can produce these egos, like very personality driven human being. And we want to stay connected. We want to have access to like, you know, our connection to other people, to the world in general. And so what you find is when you start to meditate, even just for 10 minutes of focusing on the breath, focusing on purpose with intention, that area of the brain loosens its grip. And we start to feel this connection to the fullness of our experience. And so really we sort of fill out as a human being and we don't get trapped in anxiety or stress or depression, which is really just that thought machine happening again and again and again. This is really making me think of so many different examples of when I'm focusing and allowing just ideas to flow, the way that you're kind of talking about opening this creative pathway to you know new ideas and new solutions driving yes for sure just a nice focused task when you're on the highway yep. and you've got an hour and you're like all right i'm just gonna you know turn off the radio i don't often listen to the radio when i'm driving um but yeah when i'm also like yeah when i'm cooking yep. the then the sports if you're like playing golf or something or yeah it's just like the the amount of times that we can slip into that creative focused place is just innumerable. Yeah. It's when all the aha moments happen, right? It's like you're driving the car and you think, I wish I could write that down, but I'm driving. It really yeah. is when you have those eureka moments or when you really do, when you're able to put the pieces together that you otherwise weren't able to do. And often that's because these same thoughts are just getting in the way. They're crowding your mind and they won't let anything else in. And what's interesting is you don't have a lot of control over that. That's actually the brain. It's like hierarchical. It really does move energy away from other areas of the brain. So meditation, great way to just allow those creative thoughts in. When people say, I have a hard time meditating, I can't do that, that's yeah. not for me, What? Do, how do you <laughs> respond to that? <laughs> well, you smile and just say, that's a thought form, and you've got lots of thought forms, and let's sit down and take a look at those thought forms. You know, it really takes time. It's like, there's there's a wonderful book called Rebel Buddha, uh, by uh, his name is Dojen Panlap. He's a, it's a great title. Yeah, Rebel Buddha. It's a really wonderful book where he does a section called getting getting together with your mind and he talks about sitting down with your mind as if you were sitting down with a friend at a cafe and basically says if this is somebody you're getting to know for the first time and maybe it's the first time you really are going to take a look at your mind and what it's doing and what it's reporting to you he says you have to be a good listener you know you can't sit down with this new friend and do all the talking you know you've got to let them do some talking first so it's like you're generating some space so that you can get to know your mind and not feel that you have to solve all the problems of your mind or stop the mind from talking right now. I love the, the uh, definition of mindfulness. John Kabat-Zinn is basically, you know, the, one of the founders of, this, of, of mindfulness and not so far from here in Massachusetts, yeah, right? Uh, yep. uh, the Insight Meditation Society. He's got a really wonderful definition of mindfulness, which is, Dude, let's see if I can do it. I don't have it written in front of me. Which is the awareness that arises as we pay attention on purpose, moment to moment to moment, without judgment. So that without judgment is a really key aspect there. Because right away when somebody says, I can't meditate, they're already starting with self-criticism and judgment. 
You know, it's like, well, let's just let that go for a minute and let's just really try to sit because most people think that meditation requires them to do so much or they say, you know, I really want to get there. I've tried to get to that space where I am meditating, but I just can't do it. The trick is that actually meditation is just being present in the moment and the real work comes with allowing whatever is happening in your experience without judging it. That means without judging yourself, which for some of us can be complicated, or without even judging the thoughts, which is why am I thinking those thoughts? These thoughts won't stop, but just creating some space around them, letting them be, just creating space by being present in the moment, allowing thoughts to come up, and just looking at them, saying, ah, there it is, that thought that I can't meditate, and you'd be amazed in no time. The space you create by sort of just sitting at a little coffee shop across from your mind, creating those thoughts and going, oh, look at that thought. It really works. It really creates space and it works quite quickly. So I would say, give it a try, you know, to somebody who says, I just can't meditate. So, so we're kind of learning a lot about, and if you're just tuning in, we're here with Steve Kramer, who is the, um, he's up at Spirit Fire Retreat Center up in Leiden, Massachusetts, Leiden, excuse me. <laughs> and, and so, okay, so we're learning a lot about how the, the brain chemistry works and this kind of default mode of, you know, so, and I know that you guys have a, um, up at the retreat center, up at Spirit Fire, you have a big kitchen and a huge <laughs> menu up there. I was yeah. looking at some of the, I'm just in front of the computer right now. So I'm just, I was looking at the menu and one of my favorite things in the world is to just look at food and, <laughs> and get some recipe ideas. But you know, the stuff I'm looking at on the, on the dinner menu is like pickled fresh pole beans and Swiss chard with black mission fig balsamic vinaigrette. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, the, it's such clean food. Yeah. What, um, what role does clean, healthy food have to do with our mindfulness and our body and uh, meditation? I'm so glad you asked that because so much, more than you could ever imagine. Listen, what we put in our minds affects our day-to-day -day experience every bit as much as what we put in our bodies affects our day-to-day -day experience. Actually, our moment-to-moment -moment experience. You think of the body as a vessel. The mind is a vessel. Your stomach is absolutely a vessel. And what's really interesting talking about chemicals, serotonin, dopamine, these really feel-good neurotransmitters that we got, they're all generated in our stomach. We've got what's called the enteric nervous system in our stomach, which is really a second brain. It's really our original brain. It's got more neurons. I mean, the science of it is crazy to, to think about this entire nervous system that is reporting to us what we do want or what we don't want, which is really our emotional body. That's like, that's, that's what our emotions do to us. They say, I want more of this or I want less of this. And if you think about it, when you're in a situation you don't like, you could say, oh, I just can't stomach that, right? Ah, uh, I you like know, that it expression. Means, like, I just can't handle this. I just don't want to put this in my experience any longer. So you see that we've got butterflies in our stomach. And if you think of even the organs of the, of the digestive system, the liver, you, you say like somebody's really livid or your gallbladder, the gall of somebody, right? Or you think of the pancreas, which helps our body assimilate sugar or the sweetness of life. So it's really all about what we take in, how do we process it? What do we assimilate? Our intestines say, I'm gonna put this here and I'm gonna get rid of that. I'm gonna utilize this. I want more of that and not so much of this. 
hopefully our brain does the same thing. These thoughts just pass right through and these thoughts I'm going to hold on to. You know, I'm going to generate more thoughts that are like this because maybe they're happy thoughts or productive thoughts or creative thoughts. But beyond that, when we eat clean, you know, I'm not here to push a gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free diet. You know, I love good old but all that's available. Vermont ice cream every now and again. Sure. But really gluten, you know, it just gluten as we know it today, wheat as we know it today has just been so adulterated and it it just creates inflammation in your gut and it makes you foggy brain. So if generating clarity in the mind is something we're working toward with meditation, to eat food that's actually going to make you feel lazy, make you feel slouchy, make you feel, you know, you want to avoid that. So we really try our best to serve really clean food, fresh food, you know, at least during the grossing seasons, we're around organic farms all over, Coleraine, uh, Greenfield, Leiden. So we do our best to keep it, keep it clean. And I saw that you guys partner with a, a local farm as well. What is it? Sweet Morning Farm. Yeah. yeah. So you guys have uh, some CSAs or something that you yeah. collaborate with. Loads of CSAs. We're like, we go in with, we've got three shares. Everybody looks at us like, hey, you're taking too much lettuce. And we have to tell everybody, no, 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 we've got three shares. But we are feeding a lot of people. Really beautiful. The great thing is we have people that come for week-long retreats and they see, they go, oh man, I'm going to be eating vegetarian all week. This is really going to be awful. And two days into it, they say, I can't imagine. I feel so amazing. My gut feels great. You know, and they say, I didn't even realize that I usually eat till I'm full. I don't feel like I ate so much. But really, they're just eating really lousy food that's making their stomach say, like, stop. I don't want any more of this. And they've got energy. And by the end of the week, they literally give us hugs and say, I am such a meat eater and I wasn't hungry. I slept great. I felt really clear. I was so excited to come to each meal. And they were literally petrified when they got there. So that's really a joy of it. In fact, not only do I teach meditation, but me and my partner, we are the two head chefs because we just love food so much. So if we're not leading a retreat of our own, if we've got outside groups coming in, then we're the chefs. So it's really fun. And it's absolutely a really important part. We, We really have to think of our stomach as, you know, this container. And what are you putting in it? (laughs) That's, you know, I think that that's always a good question to ask ourselves. And anytime that we have mindfulness around our thoughts or our food or the products that we're putting onto our body, anytime that we give space and a little bit of just connection to that, you know, just pausing around it and see how our body responds. And it's a wonderful opportunity. You know, you come to a retreat and you don't have to think about food. So many retreat centers, you know, people say, wow. I loved the retreat, but the food was just wretched. We're a really small center. At max, we sleep 20. So we're not cooking for 200 people. So every meal is fresh. Every meal is fresh made. Every meal is considered. And one thing I love that's unique about us is we really do our best. If somebody's got allergies, if they if there's certain foods that they can't handle, we will design an entire menu so everybody's eating that food. We've had people come in tears. We've had people literally say... You know, I haven't been able to eat this, you know, because we've designed a menu that allows them to eat the foods that they normally can't eat if they go out to eat or their family doesn't want to go without a certain food, you know, a certain aspect of the food or they don't want to prepare it a certain way. And they just are so touched that they've eaten foods that they haven't eaten for so long that are just prepared in a way that actually suits their their special dietary needs. And everybody's happy. Nobody knows the difference. So it's really a creative time in the kitchen to show that. 
So what there's did, options. What did you feed all the tenure of the tenth graders that came? Uh, what, what were you feeding them? What was oh, on the menu? Don't ask me that. Kids are so tough. I know. That's they why are, I'm asking that question. <laughs> they are. They are really tough. Yeah. I gotta say, we made them ice cream sandwiches, but they That's were okay. gluten free cookies, okay. and it was a uh, cashew milk ice cream. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> so they still got their ice cream sandwiches. You know, we had we still had a taco bar, and we still had uh, spaghetti and meatballs, but the meatballs were made with really organic. Uh, ground turkey and gluten-free spaghetti that nobody knew the difference and you know so we did our best but we still had you know it it was it was kids food (laughs) and you know what though that's that's the thing too it's that you don't have to completely reinvent things but you can tweak like you said good point just little bits can make a huge impact on how your body feels when you're just like oh i'm just gonna switch out the gluten and see what happens And you know, resistance, no one wants resistance. It doesn't work. And when you're really resistant against a certain type of food, it doesn't really pay off. It's that thing of, you know, moderation. Just try to find a happy medium and keep it clean. Nice. (laughs) That's lovely. That sounds great. So uh, would you, would you be interested in doing a, um, a, a guided meditation for our listeners today? Maybe, maybe five or eight minutes of something that we can, we can practice together after the next break. I would love to. I think that would be great. Okay. Fabulous. So it won't be radio silence. No. Um, and of course, <laughs> if anyone is listening in the car, please, please don't close your eyes. Keep your eyes open, and we'll we'll still find ways that that you can um, that you can you know ride along and and stay safe and for sure stay focused. So um, let's talk a little bit more about um, the practice itself that you guys do up there, and then we'll lead into a short guided meditation, a sort of a little a little teaser, so people can really understand and feel what um what it is what the practice is all about sure thing i would love to so our own meditation practice is called the practice of living awareness and you know it's free it's online you basically could do an entire 14 week meditation program on your own for free and that's spiritfireretreatcenter.com. It's actually at spiritfire.com. So Spirit Fire is the organization, and the retreat center is one of the assets of the organization. So we've got two websites dedicated. Actually, we've got so many websites, it's kind of crazy. And you have the radio show <laughs> and all kinds of, yeah. So it's very, if you even just type in Spirit Fire meditation, yeah. we can, you can access yep. that information. And spiritfire.com. And then once you go there, you can choose meditation, radio, retreat center. But Fabulous. the meditation will take you actually to our blog. And the blog is where we store all of our meditations. So basically, the meditation training is a 14-week online program. And we spend one week for each step. So it's 14 steps, 14 weeks, but we do three meditations a week per step. So if you sign up for it, and you're doing a current round, what we do is we do 14 weeks, then we take a little break and we start again. So we basically do three rounds of meditation a year and they're all new. So a lot of times they're topical. They have, you know, what's going on with the world as a part of the meditation or what's happening outside. You know, if you're in the Northeast or at least in the Northern Hemisphere, when spring rolls around, we take that into meditation. So it's kind of fun to be doing it with the current round. But that said, there's three rounds of meditations on our blog, meaning there's like hundreds of meditations there. And so you just start with step one and you could do it at your own time. I think 
Three a week is a really good practice, and you can do it in the comfort of your own home, and we really set you up. It is really starting with the very foundations of meditation. If you're brand new to meditation or you've been using an app and you want to say, well, I really want to create a practice. I want to, like... I want some tools in my sort of meditation tool belt that I can use myself that I've really worked on personally. And each step builds one upon the next. And tool by tool by tool, you've got this 14 tool tool belt by the time you're done. And like I said, this was the exact same practice that really taught me how to meditate. And I tried so many different practices, but this was so simple and one step built upon the next. And that was it. I got it. So the practice is online. It's and then totally you left free. New York and that moved was up, up to <laughs> northern Massachusetts. And here you are. I'm making this a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Really great. How long are each of these meditations? 20 minutes. That's okay. a great question. That's super manageable. Super manageable. And there's an introduction at each meditation. So really for some of them, you're sitting for 12, 15 minutes, which is doable for anybody. And if you'd like a longer sitting when the meditation is over, well, no one's forcing you out of meditation. Just hang out and meditate. But uh, definitely a, a doable time. Good question. Thanks. Absolutely. So um, so definitely go check that out. And um, do, you, are, do you think we're ready to shift gears and maybe do a, a guided meditation right now, like just a, an introduction to the work itself? That would be great. I mean, I say we just start with the beginning and we start with step one, which is really a lovely, a lovely step. And believe it or not, it's as simple as this. The first step is called smile. All right, I'm I'm gonna leave it up to you, Steve. So, uh, so let's we're gonna we're gonna right now begin a a maybe five to eight minutes. Yeah, that sounds great. And um and we'll practice step one, smile. Yeah. So just as we would in the practice, just a little bit of an introduction. So smiles are are really quite something. And we were talking about the ways in which we're a container. You were talking about food and our stomach being a container. But if you just let a, a nice, gentle smile come on your face, think about the shape of a smile. Right? Look at I'm sitting across from a beautiful smile. And what's interesting about a smile is you can't help but smile when somebody is smiling at you. Right? It's actually a fact. Smiles are contagious. And when you're smiled at... This area of the brain, you me we mentioned the, the, the prefrontal, the orbital prefrontal cortex, that's the area of the brain that registers reward, mm. that says, oh, yes, I like that. Thanks for that. When someone smiles at you, you get a little hit of, oh, I'm, I'm rewarded. It's like you get a little treat. <laughs> and also when we smile, we release those, those um, neurotransmitters and uh, dopamine and serotonin, which are all our feel-good transmitters. So just by smiling... We're actually creating this little happy party going on in our brain. So it's a really good thing. We start every single smile or every single meditation rather with a smile. So think about the shape of a smile. It's actually shaped like a bowl, if you will. It curves up on the edges. It contains. If you've ever been across from someone, maybe you've had a bad day and someone just smiles at you and says, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or, you know, what could I do? You feel as if they've invited you into their space. You know, a smile is an invitation. It says, yes, you know, it says, welcome. It says, I'm gonna allow or create space for you, for whatever it is that you are experiencing. So often in meditation, as we settle ourselves down, all of a sudden we realize, wow, my body's really tired, or wow, I'm really thinking so many thoughts, I can't calm my mind down. A simple smile, will allow you to create space for whatever's happening and just says, yes, I can allow that. 
again, without judgment. So it creates a wonderful atmosphere for just allowing, right? So even if you are, if, if possible, it's nice to gently close your eyes, but certainly if you're driving, don't do that. Um, and for a moment, just feel into your body. You know, wherever you are, feel the ground, feel the seat. If you're driving, feel the car seat. If you're sitting, feel a stool or a cushion beneath you and just sense that support. And then affirm or I'd invite you to just allow for gentleness, gentleness in your cheekbones, gentleness in your jaw, your tongue just gently resting on the roof of your mouth. If your eyes are closed, just again affirm that your eyelids are soft and gentle, your brow, your scalp is gentle. And allow for a smile. Just a gentle smile. I know sometimes it can be strange to smile when there's nothing to smile at, but sense the gentleness in your body, the gentleness in the breath, and allow for a nice, light smile. And if you bring your awareness to the breath breathing through the nose, And sense the air coming in from the room and follow the breath. Comes in at our nostrils, goes down the windpipe, and it actually moves through this area of the smile. This sort of space of yes, this space of allowing. And so as we take a breath in and breathe into the lungs, that smile, that goodness, that yes, that sense of being held moves into the lungs and all through the body. And then it's just a matter of allowing, of sensing the breath, getting curious, And allowing that goodness, that spaciousness of a smile, even if it's relaxed on your face, to be breathed in, to fill the lungs and fill your entire body with this sense of allowing, of openness. It's an invitation to be present. And without creating too much silent space for radio, just feel into that lift as the edges of the mouth lift up. You can sort of almost feel an uplifting. It's as if the breath moves down, catches the goodness of the smile. And at the same time, we feel that spaciousness of the yes and the uplifting of the goodness of a smile. So lovely to give yourself a smile. Hope that was nice. Just a few minutes. Otherwise, we'd be sitting in silence. 
Mm, that was very lovely. I, I feel my whole body just relaxed from that. Yeah, smiles are so good. And really wonderful within a meditation practice if we sort of bump up against ourselves or we feel a little bit of resistance or judgment or criticism. It just creates space to just smile with yourself, smile with the thought, smile with the experience and just say, yes, I create space for this. I allow it. It's all good. It's all good, man. <laughs> it's all good. Thank you for that. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're here with Steve Kramer from Spirit Fire Retreat Center up in Leiden, Leiden Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I'm really, I'm really curious as to, um, you know, you're you're talking about earlier how you have all this all these resources online and all this accessibility online, what was the drive and the motivation to make all that information just free and available and um, these hundreds of lectures that you said that, what, what, was, the, what was the motivation behind that? Uh, what could I say? You know, uh, we've just got a lot of material and we have people that are following the practice all over the country, all over the world, really throughout Canada. And we just want to make that available. We have a small little retreat center, right, uh, in the at the foothills of the Green Mountains that not everybody can make their way to us. And we just feel that meditation should be a part of your day-to-day. And we would really like to make it uh, available to people. And so the Internet's amazing. You know, spread the word and get it out there. And then people will come see us, you know, at the center. And it's just nice to get word out to everybody. Yeah. So what do, what do you have coming up? Uh, what kind of retreats do you have coming up uh, for the spring and summer and fall? And what's what's going on up there? Mm, what's going on? We've got a lot of sound. We, we, we've got a couple sound healing mm. retreats coming up. There's one uh, just, I believe it is the weekend after Memorial Day, which is a local sound healer that, that specializes in sound baths. I don't know if you've ever experienced oh, a sound I've been to bath. a sound bath before. They are great. They are. Those gongs. Out of control. You really realize how they make music for science fiction movies, right? <laughs> yeah. You think, am I on Mars? Where am I? Yeah, and you just crack your eye open and you're like, like what's going on up there? That's a gong? How does it make that sound? There's something so incredible about sound. I mean, we really experience it. Talk about every cell of your body receiving goodness. With sound, it's just palpable. I mean, it is really something. Talk about energetic states of being through sound. So that's coming up. That's going to be a really exciting retreat. And I know there's still space in that retreat. And then our silent retreats are just incredible. Really, really fun. Uh, We've got one in June. We've got one in July. Um, Yeah, you can just check out our website at upcoming events. If it's listed on our website, that means there's still space available and it's open to the public. So we've got lots of space for the July silent retreat. The June one is filling up. There's a lot of rock stars at that retreat. So if you feel like a silent retreat would be good for you, our June retreat is filling up, but there's a few spots left and it's full of really pretty cool people. It's going to be a good one. And those are, is it a long weekend? Is it a full week? It's a Friday evening. They're just Friday evening till Sunday. So come in on Friday, stay the weekend and it's over by Sunday afternoon. Back to work. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So, um, well, and tell us your website again so people can learn a little bit more information for themselves. Sure. Spiritfire.com is really the go-to website. And from there, you can get to the Retreat Center website, which is a little bit more specific about what we have to offer at the Leiden 
address. And then we've got Spiritfire Radio, which is accessible from spiritfire.com. And then from there, you can click on the meditation uh, icon, and that'll take you to our meditation blog. So it's kind of like home central is spiritfire.com. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Is there any last thing you want to throw out into the world? Any last messages or inspiration that you have for folks out there? Ah, what could I say? Just meditate, everybody. You know, it, it is so much simpler than you think. It is really an opportunity to just check in and to really experience your day-to-day in, in, in its fullness. And generating a sense of wonder. You know, I just love that word. And for me, meditation has just allowed me to um, generate a sense of wonder in the small things. It's noticing the small things day to day that just make each day exciting and worth worth doing, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. You know, just surprises around every corner when, yeah. you're, when you're focused and in your body and, yeah. and here. Great. Well, thank you so much, Steve. Oh, it's um, been my pleasure, Karen. And and I hope that uh, you know if you, if anyone's interested in learning a little bit more information, um, it's uh, spiritfire dot com, and you can find everything from there. Yeah, so yeah. Everything and more. Yes. All right. So we're gonna just close out and uh, have a great rest of your day, everyone. Be well.